If you enjoy listening to this podcast, we ask you to consider supporting it by making a reoccurring or one-time donation. Visit Mayflower's website at www.mayflowerucc.org and click on the Donate Now button. Donations made to Mayflower's Radio Fund are tax-deductible and go toward keeping this podcast available. Thank you for your support. The sermon you are about to hear was preached at Mayflower Congregational UCC Church of Oklahoma City by the Reverend Dr. Robin Myers, senior minister in one of America's premier liberal Protestant pulpits. At Mayflower, we are an open and affirming peace and justice church where we believe that religion should be biblically responsible, intellectually honest, emotionally satisfying, and socially significant. We go now to the pulpit of Mayflower UCC Church of Oklahoma City and to the preaching and teaching of Dr. Robin Myers. Our scripture lesson this morning comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 through chapter 5, verse 1. So we do not lose heart, even though our outer nature is wasting away, our inner nature is being renewed day by day. For this slight momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all measure, because we look not at what can be seen, but at what cannot be seen. For what can be seen is temporary, but what cannot be seen is eternal. For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Here ends the reading of words inspired by God. May God grant to us wisdom and courage for interpretation. If I'm ever asked to teach one of those old man retired minister classes, you know the ones uh, where because there's no one else to do it for free, an aging clergyman who's bored and misses a captive audience gets asked by the local seminary to offer toothless reminiscence on what I learned over a lifetime of serving the Lord. Now, I can't see myself ever doing this, but if I did, I know the first thing I would say. Let's get one thing straight, young whippersnappers. Sermons are important, very important, but not as important as eulogies. If, if you don't get the eulogy right, or figure out how to do a blessing like Lori Walkey, you will flunk clergy camp for life. You will be sent into exile in the panhandle. And every time you rise to speak, the expectations of your listeners will be as low as your rhetoric is bland. Now, if they roll their eyes at me, I will just double down. The most important moment you will be given to do ministry will be the moments of joy and sorrow, especially sorrow. The joy can mostly carry itself, but you'll be expected to make the sorrow bearable. That means you will have to say what needs to be said, no more, no less, and words will both elude you and become the last best hope you have to get it right. At Mayflower, we have a particular, and some would say a peculiar, way of remembering the dead. We try to avoid vapid generalities like, he loved everyone and everyone loved him. 
She loved all animals, and all animals loved her. He never had an unkind word to say about anyone, and no one ever said an unkind word about him. We avoid these things, in part because we've never met that person. All the people we eulogize around here are complicated, flawed, and magnificently imperfect human beings. Every single other includes every single weird other, which includes you and me. And like real life, both the sublime and the tragic are remembered here. It's not uncommon for visitors who've never experienced such funerals to be a bit unsure at first if it's okay to laugh. Yes, please do. Or if we can all acknowledge the elephant in the room. Yes, better than looking away. And then as the service goes on, this palpable relief comes over people that we are talking like grown-ups about other grown-ups. If Lori and I have heard this once, we've heard it a thousand times, I've never really been to a service like this. It seems so, so they're searching for the word, um, real. One of our traditions here is to have our own Mayflower Day of the Dead. We pick the last day of the year because it's a moment of turning from what was to what will be, and all of us end up having to do this when it comes to the loved ones we have lost. We hold on, we let go. We let go, we hold on. Which is it depends on how the spirit moves in the seasons of the spirit. If we did not hold on, we would surrender one of the most sacred of all things, memory. And if we did not let go, we would be crushed by regrets, by guilt, by loose ends that never got tied up. So let the beloved community that is Mayflower remember those we lost in 2017. I will call forward a member of the care team, the care team, which works quietly all year behind the scenes to let members know we are thinking about them when they pass through moments of loss or uncertainty. And a candle will be lit as I share a word or two written by Lori or myself that we offered at their service. The first candle will be lit by Kay Gilchrist in memory of Dr. Lloyd Owens. Lloyd was a dermatologist who practiced for many years in Oklahoma City and he and his wife Mabel were faithful members at Mayflower, especially in the early years. Sean and I knew the whole family, and we knew their struggles with a father who was both tender-hearted but also plagued by demons and a ferocious temper. It should not surprise anyone who knew Lloyd Owens that he wrote his own obituary and that he loved dogs, really loved them. Because let's face it, if you named your dogs Booger, Sophie, and Kashmir, and had a portrait made of each one, you've got a dog thing going on. Lloyd supported Mabel in her art business as well as the gallery she owned for many years. He had a wicked sense of humor, was a teller of jokes, many of them risque, was a poker player, a voracious reader, and a good ballroom dancer. He planted lots of trees that are still blooming and was a fixture at the Boulevard Cafe for lunch with his doctor buddies. 
Rest in peace, Lloyd Owens. The next candle will be lit by Phil Douglas in memory of Roger Harris. Born in Duncan, Oklahoma in 1945, long before the word nerd came into common usage as a compliment, Roger was on his way to becoming one smart, quirky, dry sense of humor. Roger was always curious, creative, and always slightly inaccessible. He was Chris Moore's uncle, his mother's brother, and had a master's degree in Southwest Studies. Who knew there was such a thing? With a focus on Oklahoma history and frontier humor. Thank you, Will Rogers. Lori blessed him for saving the music at Vacation Bible School where the kids called him the music man. He married the not shy and retiring Marie Anderson in 1969, the year of Woodstock and the moon landing, and fell in love with folk music, especially the dulcimer, which he began making in his own shop. And Chris remembers the way that shop smelled and listening to Roger tell stories. So rest in peace, Roger Harris. The next candle will be lit by Pam Westbrook, in memory of John McCandless, the best-dressed man at Mayflower Church. He always wore a suit, and he always greeted me by saying, Dr. Myers, I presume, as if perhaps I was an apparition. And I would reply, John McCandless, I presume, as if I had only heard of this distinguished counselor at law, but here he was in the flesh. John was a close dear friend to William Carmack, my major professor at OU in graduate school, and Carmack told John once that a Democrat was in fact leading a church in Oklahoma City, and he might want to check it out. John McCandless, born 1935 and raised in the sprawling metropolis of Hobart, Oklahoma, graduated OU Law School, was a yellow dog Democrat, and a lover of all things crimson and cream. He found his way to Mayflower, where he met other long-suffering and lately traumatized Democrats. And, and I grew fond of John McCandless's candor and charm. He told me once he was a delegate to both the 1968 and 1972 Democratic National Conventions, whereupon we both started humming the Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young song, Won't You Please Come to Chicago or Else Join the Other Side. He was a gentleman. Rest in peace, John McCandless. The next candle will be lit by Teresa Sanders in memory of Truman Hefner. Around here, we knew Truman because we knew Vera faithful member of the Plymouth Guild for many years. I would see Truman on occasion when he picked Vera up or came for the Harvest Home dinner. Truman was born in 1926 and grew up in Berwyn, Illinois and served in the Air Force in World War II, part of what Tom Brokaw would call the greatest generation. The Hefners lived in our neighborhood, and I jogged past their house a thousand times and always noticed the one-eighth scale railroad tracks that circled the yard because Truman loved, no, Truman adored trains and all things railroading. 
and he founded the Locomotive Operators of Central Oklahoma and a company called Cannonball to supply hobbyists with railroading equipment. He was married to Vera for 69 years. Rest in peace, Truman Hefner. The next candle will be lit by Beverly Reardon for Perry Ann Starkey. What does one say about Perry Ann and what she meant to Mayflower? I used to say when giving lectures about the underground church that I wanted to be part of a congregation where a transgender person handed out the bulletins on Sunday morning and nobody thought a thing about it other than to say, thank you. And then, remembering Perry Ann, I would say, I am part of such a congregation. Lori's eulogy for Perry Ann contained the opening line of her self-composed obituary, which begins, born March 21st, 1946, Perry Foster Starkey Jr. surrendered quietly on, fill in this blank, June 28th, 2016, after a protracted struggle with truth. Like 87% of this congregation, Perry Ann had no reservations about telling the ministers not only what she thought of our preaching, but also what we should be preaching about. Neither Lori nor I had done enough preaching against drone airstrikes, she told us. It is, Perry Ann wrote, a whole new form of combat hell, this remote control killing. As a Vietnam veteran, she knew a thing or two about hell and thought we should remind people what war really is on every Memorial Day and every 4th of July. And we would say, and that is why there are no employed ministers left. And who can ever forget the day she gave a prayers of the people and stated the case for full inclusion in the church in a way none of us will ever forget, including the line, love every single other, then love me. We do. Rest in peace, Perry Ann Starkey. The next candle will be lit by Betsy Wood in memory of Willie Ream. Well, her real name was Willow Dean Burris Ream, but around here she was just Willie. And wherever she is right now, she is wearing jeans and she's waiting on the arrival of Glenda Stansberry so they can resume their fight over whether to leave tags on 363 items or take them off. <laughs> Place your bets. Born in Pawnee, Oklahoma, just as the nation entered the Great Depression, Willie grew up poor and saw the pain and indignity that comes with poverty. No wonder she loved 363. Shy and retiring, she was not. Indecisive, she was not. Warm and fuzzy, she was not. She was Willie, born to teach and travel and talk honestly with kids at Cassidy about sex education. And her lifelong mantra was, get your brain crowded. Bless you, Willie, Lori wrote, for being the first woman in SMU history to earn a master's degree in theology. They agreed to let you pursue a theological education in exchange for your promise that you would not pursue ordination after graduation. We don't blame them, do we? This, <laughs> this situation is much like that described in the book. If you give a mouse a cookie, if you give a woman a theological education, well, the next thing you know, she'll be behind the pulpit and administering the sacraments. 
Willie was ahead of her time, but then we are still behind it. Bless you, Willie, for being Willie. Rest in peace, Willie Ream. The next candle will be lit by Kay Gilchrist in memory of Philip Smith, who in the luminous web is Chris Moore's father-in-law. Philip found a spiritual home at Mayflower, and as Lori wrote in her eulogy, bless you, Philip, for your mind, a mind that was constantly churning, constantly turning things over, making connections, disassembling and reassembling, even if it meant you had something to say about everything, everything. There was not a topic, issue, or situation about which you had no opinion. Whatever Sunday school class you attended never ever lacked for conversation. And by the way, bless you for insisting that we do something about hearing assistance devices, which you insisted we not call hearing aids. So we don't, we promise. But every time we hand one out, we think of you. Rest in peace, Philip Smith. The next candle will be lit by Beverly Reardon in memory of Lydia Pauley. Lydia and I go way back, especially around the issue of the death penalty. It's not everyone about whom I can say we were arrested together. Bless you, Lydia, for channeling the wisdom of Sister Helen Prejean, who said about people on death row, all of us are more than the worst thing we have ever done. Watching you get arrested protesting the execution of Wanda Jean Allen is one of my favorite moments in the HBO documentary. When you turned to let them put those handcuffs on you, it was an eloquent statement and you didn't say a word. And every time I watch it with friends, I point to you on the screen and say, that's Lydia. She's a member of our church. Bless you, Lydia, for being an environmentalist before it was cool, for loving the piano and your place at Lake Tenkiller and sending Christmas cards to death row inmates. You took the biblical command to visit those in prison seriously and then reported to me about the prisoners you met about their lives, about their hopes and dreams. When I say that without women there would be no church, I have women like you in mind. Rest in peace, Lydia Pauley. The next candle will be lit by Lori in memory of Jeff Graves. When we lost Jeff too early, Bruce just decided we will throw a church concert in his honor. We had the back row singers, the choir, we had our favorite congregational hymns. Oh my, the sound of this tribute is still ringing in our ears. It was amazing, just like Jeff. In her blessing, Lori wrote, bless you, Jeff, for the rink. It is more than a store, more than a business. It's a treasure shop, a place to find what we've always been looking for, that until now elusive masterpiece a place to find the piece to complete the collection. It's even more than that, of course. You wanted to create a home, some, somewhere for people to connect and have community. So the rink became a home for everyone. Strays and stranglers, the buttoned up and the put together, the misfits and the misunderstood. They're all here, Jeff. The dealers, buyers, customers, collectors, browsers, and the ones who just showed up for the wine and cheese. It's like you created a church. 
They're here because you bound us together. Bless you for making space for all kinds, Jeff. And then, of course, truth be known, Jeff Graves was the kind of church member every pastor loves, who takes on a job and then no one ever worries about it again. It will be done meticulously right down to the world's largest floral display. Around here, we love every single other, but let's face it, as a servant to Christian Ed, Mobile Meals, the Fletcher Vine Spaghetti Lunch, or choir member, Jeff was not every single other. He set the standard. We will miss you, Jeff. Rest in peace. The next candle will be lit by Yale Skurlock in memory of Wally Hooks. Born Wallace Brian Hooks in Borger, Texas, Wally found his way to this church after the once stockbroker and financial advisor read too many books and became a Bernie Sanders socialist who loved the Webb's Sunday school class, his 4th of July parties at Lake Hiawassee, Tai Chi, and his beloved wife, Janet, whose recent death he never recovered from. Some of you may remember one day in church not long ago during joys and concerns when Wally announced his joy at being sober for 38 years and why he was glad to be at Mayflower and not in some bar somewhere. He was very candid, Wally was, about the people he had hurt and he lived his last years trying to make amends and to enjoy the freedom of thought this church afforded him. In the luminous web, Wally Hooks was something else to me. His granddaughter, Melissa, is married to my son, Blue. And so we are grandfather and great-grandfather to Iris. And nothing tickled Wally Hooks like asking me every Sunday morning how Iris was. Close to perfect, I would say. Close, he would say, implying she was perfect as far as he was concerned. Wally, there's a new granddaughter to celebrate. Wish you were around to see her. Rest in peace, Wally Hooks. The last candle will be lit by Lori to represent all the friends of the congregation that we haven't mentioned that you lost this year mothers and fathers, grandparents, aunts, uncles, nieces, nephews, siblings, cousins, even, even children who left this world too soon. Let's bow our heads together. Holy One, be present to us in our grief and walk with us as we remember. Life really is brief, precious, and we need to love each other while we can. Send us from this place stronger, wiser, and more in love with things that matter for having remembered those who matter to us. Amen. You've been listening to the preaching and teaching of Dr. Robin Myers, Senior Minister of Mayflower Congregation on UCC Church of Oklahoma City. More information about the church can be found at mayflowerucc.org or by visiting Mayflower's Facebook page. Worship services every Sunday are at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. with adult education classes at 10 a.m and a full church school for all ages is available during the second service. 
Mayflower is located on Northwest 63rd Street, a block west of Portland. Thank you for listening.